Well, good morning. How are you this morning, New Life Church? Go ahead and talk to me. We're a charismatic church. Go ahead. Yes, it's good to see you. Glad you're here today. Pastor Brady was planning on preaching and last night started feeling under the weather. So we pray for you, Brady. Be blessed, be refreshed, be strengthened, be healed. He's planning on being back next week. So he called me last night and I was at my kid's soccer game and he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm calling in the bullpen, you know? So I started stretching like Mariano Rivera and got out my rubber bands. And anyway, here we go today, Galatians chapter one. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's toward the back of the book if you're new to the book. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. But what I'm gonna do is I'll read this text and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from Galatians chapter one. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul and Barnabas together. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said with Paul, amen. Verse six, he throws down. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of who? Christ. I'm so astonished that you, you've deserted so quickly the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. He says anathema, like no. And then he goes on in verse nine, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, whoa. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we need you. We're here today because we are not God. <laughs> We're here today because we need peace to be brought back to the storm. We need order to be restored out of the chaos of our lives. We're here today because we believe that from Genesis one, you are the God who has ever from of old been the speaking God. And God said, let there be light. So to all of our darkness, to the darkness of the world, to the darkness of our own thoughts, to the darkness of uh, certain aspects of our relationship, Lord, we, we bring in the bits of darkness that we have and we ask you to say today, let there be light. We pray today with the psalmist in Psalm 19, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And as the preacher, I pray, may I decrease and may you increase. We pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. Have you ever had a situation that seemed to be steamrolling so clearly in one direction, all of a sudden to have that emotional whiplash of being thrown in another direction? Think about Super Bowl 51, the Falcons and the Patriots. I'm sorry, I'm neither a Falcons nor a Patriots fan and some of you Falcons fans are about to stand up and walk out. Just hang with me, we'll be done with this in about 30 seconds. 
28 to three, excuse me, whoa. Third quarter, this thing is over. The Falcons are about to send Tom Brady and the evil empire packing. And here we are, they tie it up right at the end, go into overtime and win 34 to 28, a 31-0 run to win the Super Bowl. It was just unbelievable. Going so clearly and went until it wasn't. And Paul, in Galatians chapter one, verses six through nine, you kind of get that sense that it was headed so clearly in one direction and then boom, he erupts with this, what in the world has happened to you foolish Galatians? He and Barnabas had just gone on a missionary journey and had proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. And it was working. There were people who were coming to faith and, and, and saying yes to Jesus. And they leave Galatia, South Asia there and, and start moving on and they get back home and they're just unpacking their satchels. I mean, you know, they didn't take any big bags, but they got their, the, the, the necessities and they're unpacking their bags and settling back in when Paul got word that the people who had said yes so clearly and so simply to Jesus had now turned to a different gospel, which really was no gospel at all. This was kind of the New Testament version or a kind of moment similar to the, uh, the Old Testament golden calf scenario. You know the story maybe. Uh, Moses climbs up Mount Sinai, the thunder and the clouds and, and God's speaking to a man face to face as one speaks to his friend and Moses gets the 10 words, the 10 commandments and comes down with the tablets, thus saith the Lord and he looks and these people had thrown all their gold into the fire. They were getting antsy. They, they, they couldn't wait. They, they were impatient. And so they fashioned for themselves a God that they could understand, a God that they could see, a God, frankly, that they could put their hands on. And they make this golden calf. It had been 40 days since Moses had left and he came back and the story had completely changed. And Paul is writing this letter with that kind of same sense of exasperation. What happened to you in such a short time? There was a group of people that came to these people who had said yes to Jesus and they stormed in proclaiming a Jesus plus gospel. A Jesus plus gospel. And what essentially they were saying is Jesus is not enough. Jesus is a part of the equation. Sure, of course, we, we give it. You know, they had said yes to Jesus. But, but for all of you Gentiles who are now coming into the faith, you know, Father Abraham, God had blessed him to make him a blessing, Genesis 12. And through him and Sarah, all their offspring, they would be a blessing to the nations of the world. And God is opening up the doors here in the proclamation of the gospel. And Gentiles are coming in. And there were some people who were uncertain about that. So they came in saying that Jesus is not enough for you. It's a Jesus plus scenario. Your worship and love for Jesus is not enough. And now let me say this. These people had sincerely believed in Jesus as the Messiah. And these people were experience a beautiful, experiencing a beautiful conversion. But they wanted everyone to experience Jesus in the same way they had. <laughs> That's how I can summarize it. They wanted to experience Jesus in the same way that they had. I have three little kids. My, uh, my daughter's 14. My boy Wilson will be 12 tomorrow. And then our boy Wakely is nine. And as a, as a, uh, a young son of David and Becky Grothy, I grew up in the house of the Lord and Jesus got a hold of my heart. And I, they taught me how to worship and how to read the scriptures and how to pray. And, and I love that now with my own little humans, I feel this, I mean, the stakes are high. <laughs> like, are they gonna get the story passed on to them? Are, gonna, are they gonna love the way and the truth and the life? And so very often what I do when I get 
freaked out about that prospect is I start wanting them to experience Jesus in the way that I have. Okay, kids, have you ever heard of Michael W. Smith? Okay, Amy Grant, friends are friends forever. You know, have you ever heard of Carmen? Have you ever listened to Jesus Freak by DC Talk and memorized every single lyric and every single guitar riff and every drum fill? Kids, here's the Bible that my parents gave me when I was a child and somehow it worked and it, you know, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And and so take this book and, and, and read it and maybe it'll rub off on you. And I want you to experience Jesus in the same way that I have experienced Jesus. We get scared and so we want everyone's process of faith to look like ours because in our minds that simplifies things and I'll just say today that that Jesus or God in God in heaven is not sort of the Henry Ford of the heavenlies you know mass producing salvation put it on the assembly line and everyone's going to be a model T or a model A model T or a model A it's going to be really simple and and just streamline this God is not interested in efficiency God by his spirit knows how to woo each individual one of us and speak our language and move our souls God is not in a hurry and God is not freaked out and God does not have to be the Henry Ford of the heavenlies trying to make everyone crunch into one singular way. God is inviting us all into the story of faith, but we get scared. And so we want people to experience Jesus in the same way that we have. They wanted all worship of Jesus to sanction also their social projects and their identity markers. Not only have I experienced Jesus in this way, but my life looks this way and I need you to kind of fall in line because if you fall in line, then that only bolsters my way of being in the world and strengthens my position. It gives me a bit of a monopoly on the market. And so I'm not trying to be cynical here, but very often this happens. And I'll just tell you that that, um, this happens every single day for us, these Jesus plus gospels. Jesus plus my way of being, Jesus plus my social markers, Jesus plus my cultural expectations, Jesus plus my experience. This happens every single day. And I'll tell you, I I was planning on preaching this all week and praying through my notes. And I knew that when I got to this section of the notes, I I just said, Lord, please, would you tune my heart and would would you keep me tender? And I just want you to know today, I'm not here as sarcastic, I'm not here to be chippy, I'm not here to accuse. But these Jesus plus gospels are everywhere and they happen every single day. And this touches our very real life experience. So as an unsarcastic, tender-hearted guy in this moment, I want you to hear some of the Jesus plus gospels that are flying around us all day, every day. First, Jesus plus a certain version of parenting an approach to education for our children. Yes, we love Jesus. And if you are a true Christian, you you will be a Christian today in this way. And you would would have read the books that I've loved to read and you would would discipline your children in the way that I discipline my children because I've got a corner on the market. Jesus plus a certain vision of parenting. Jesus plus a certain approach to dating, right? You know, I kiss dating goodbye. We don't date, we court, we don't do this, we don't do that. We don't. And really the true and enlightened believers are the ones who, who do it this way. And if you actually knew, then you would fall in line behind me so that you would be right and so that my position would be strengthened in the world. We, uh, Jesus plus a certain vision of dating. Jesus plus 
uh, a rigid abstention from any alcohol. Alcohol is, is the worst thing that ever happened. I remember, I remember, you know, when you're a young kid, like uh, there's danger out here. And so because there's danger out here, the way that you approach it is you just totally run. Like I remember someone in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I, I vividly remember being a nine-year-old boy telling me, this guy saying, you know, anyone who ever drinks alcohol is, you know, you can't worship Jesus and ever have a sip. Of, and, I, and I grabbed that and held that, right? Because when you're young, you, you hear something that you think is true and there's no ability to nuance. And so you just freeze that in time as a rigid rule. And that became a part of sort of the Jesus plus thing that I, I was paying attention or, or aware of in the world. A Jesus plus, let me, let me just say this one, Jesus plus guns. Some of you immediately, you're going, oh, I knew it, girl, he was a pacifist and he's soft and turning your man card, Pastor Daniel. Because No, last week I was shooting 22 with my boys in the backyard. Some of you are like, I hope you don't live in Briargate. <laughs> I don't. We were in the backyard shooting 22s and we got the, you know, the, the target and the boys were saying, no, that one was mine. No, that one was mine. No, I got closer to the bullseye than you did. Like, I'm not that guy. But, but in, in, in the world that we live in today, there is this really kind of strong, like Jesus plus. And I remember a guy telling me six months ago, a, a guy who, who loves Jesus. He told me, Daniel, you got to buy a new safe and you got to load that safe up and you got to make sure you get all the ammo and you got to do it. Like he wanted me to be scared like he is scared. And I just will not take on someone else's fear. Like a, a Jesus plus guns. Let me show you this picture. This is a real picture that I saw a, a, a friend post on Facebook. God have mercy on us. What if, some of you are like, yeah, I got that hanging on my fridge. Take that junk down. <laughs> Talk about a Jesus plus. Good God almighty. Let me say one here very gently and, and uh, Jesus plus America. I am a grateful son of the United States of America. My ancestors came over from Greece and from Germany, got to Ellis Island in the early 1900s, moved west, farmed in Nebraska, went out to Idaho. And I, I am so grateful. I hit the, the geographical jackpot being born to David and Becky Grothy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I love our nation. We pray for our troops. We care. We, we, I love, praise God. Also, there is a Jesus plus America false gospel that is running rampant around us. Can I show you the second picture? You got Jesus here with the constitution and a little boy with his yellow Oxford tucked into his jeans. First of all, pray for that little boy. <laughs> yellow Oxford tucked in, you got George Washington and Abraham Lincoln on a knee right there. And you got, you got just the whole, Seen and, and what, I, what I need you to think through, and I've, I've processed through this week with, with my own journey with this text is, we've got to ask ourselves the question, would my gospel make sense to a grandma who is living in a refugee camp in Afghanistan right now? Would my proclamation be so encrusted with a cultural bias or something that, I, that I'm comfortable with, something that I like, would I then go into that refugee camp in Afghanistan and say, let me tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. This wouldn't be good news to her. 
Would my gospel that I preach and proclaim and embody be good news to a young orphan living in an orphanage in Central America? Would my gospel that I preach make sense to a, a migrant worker stuck in Western China under the communist regime? Would my gospel make sense or would it be so cluttered with my social identity markers? One more false gospel. There are many, but I'm just giving, I'm wetting your appetite. I'm, I'm sowing seeds that help you understand how high the stakes are. A Jesus plus rugged masculinity gospel. Let me show you this picture that I saw someone post on Facebook recently. <laughs> Our God is so strong that you hang him on a cross and he breaks it. Actually, Jesus said, like, I could call down legions of angels. I could do this, but I do not. Why? Because I am the one who will bring salvation by taking the hit for the life of the world. And and we have so desecrated the image of Jesus with all of our little Jesus plus gospels. And you know what those things end up doing is they end up breaking other people. There's a boy who grew up here in this church and I've known him for so long and he's tender heart. And he, he, he comes from a hoss, stud athlete, big barrel chested guy who, who, who heard he was having a son and, and, and needed his son to be just like him. And this son was born and he was pretty fragile and, and bookish and would stay inside. He didn't like to go out. He wasn't gonna be a sports, you know, he wasn't gonna be an athlete and, and just didn't understand. And, and the dad, instead of receiving the son that God had given him with joy, decided to fight for the son that he had in his imagination. And so he would hit this boy in the chest, in the sternum and say, be a man, Jesus is a man, be a man, Jesus. And this kid would come into my office and he would weep and he'd say, I, I just, and, and I actually had to call and, and you know, let the authorities know many, many years ago about something that was going on in that situation. And is there any surprise that this young boy who was, be a man, Jesus is a man, be a man, Jesus is a man, has rejected Jesus? Is there any surprise that this boy would walk away because he didn't hear the good news of the Son of God made flesh who loves the life of the world and who's come to redeem him? He heard the bad news that it was Jesus plus rugged masculinity. And I'm here to tell you today, if we are not careful, we can become the bottleneck that blocks people from entering the kingdom of God. The stakes are so high. This boy ran away because because the false gospel of Jesus plus was not good news. And, And who could blame him for running away? And in my prayer, and I'm already seeing signs of it, Jesus is drawing that one back and and he's going to fall in love with the true good news of Jesus, period, not Jesus plus. But I want you to know the stakes are so high. If we're not careful, we can become the bottleneck that blocks people from entering the kingdom of God. That's all the bad news that I, that I can tell you today. Any gospel that is Jesus plus is a false gospel, but there's good news. I would never lead you to this point and then say, let's stand and pray. <laughs> all right, how y- y'all doing good? It's good? All right, let's pray. It's a good day in church. No, it was a terrible day in church if we stop there. But there's good news. And Paul is the right guy to lead us on this journey. Paul... He says, for you have heard of my previous way of life 
in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers, which by, by the way, are not bad. They're not bad. These are good traditions. Paul is a unapologetic Jew, comes from the family of Abraham and Sarah. That's a beautiful thing. He's saying though, I had put all my chips on the table with that and I was trying to, to keep other people out with my zeal. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem. See that phrase there, that, that's not a throwaway line for him. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were the apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. I went out into the wilderness, into Arabia later and I returned to Damascus, Syria. What he wants us to understand is that in his early years, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul was so enthused. And so he, like I said, put all his chips on the table and he was advancing in his nationalistic identity. That's what he was saying. I was advancing in my previous way of life and he was climbing the ladder and he had status and, and, and he was brilliant and he was crushing it. But in his former life, Paul ended up protecting Jerusalem while neglecting the salvation of the world. Now, what do I mean with that? In Acts chapter seven, we see the story of him at the at the murder of the very first apostle. We've got Stephen the martyr, Acts chapter seven. Saul, before he became Paul was there and he was holding the coats of those who were executing Stephen for, for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was there and in Acts chapter nine, Jesus comes up to Saul and blinds him on his road to Damascus and, and, and knocks him off his horse and, and gets his attention. Jesus speaks to Saul and Saul becomes Paul. His eyes are open and, and he, he starts following that way. But in his former life, he was protecting Jerusalem. He was so concerned about who, who was in and who was doing it right. And he was carrying papers to go, to go you know, throw all those bad people in jail and to do all this damage to the church. He was protecting Jerusalem, but he was missing out on what God was doing to throw open the doors to the Gentiles. I know a little bit about this. I remember being this young boy growing up in, like I said, this beautiful family, this beautiful church environment. And um, when you're young, you, you can't really nuance. And so I, I, would, I heard that, you know, there's some people out there who smoke. They smoke cigarettes and oh my gosh, you know, that's not, that's not the, there's gotta be some, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. And, and so I, I was at the gas station one time, I saw this guy stand over in the corner smoking cigarettes. And first of all, I thought, dude, you're gonna blow us all up. <laughs> Quit that, you know, um, like, don't do that. You're, and, and by the way, you're going to like, you're, I was the theological and moral police of the universe. Like I was paying attention because I was starting to hear about what was right. I was starting to hear about what life at the center, the truth at the center could be like. I started going out to the boundaries and policing everybody who was doing it wrong. And you said the S word, we don't say stupid in our our house, you know, the S word, stupid. And, and we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't go with girls that do and we don't do this and we don't do that. And I was so it, uh, just concerned about everyone who was going to hell. Have you ever like felt the call that you just are in charge of being everyone's policeman? 
The world is full of those people. And I was that young kid who couldn't nuance and couldn't celebrate. My fur, eyebrow was furrowed and I was on the watch because, you know, the devil is roaring lion, seeking whomever he may devour. And you're about to get devoured. Put that cigarette down. And then I remember flying out to Idaho to go visit my grandparents. I'm named after my grandpa, Dan, Daniel Kemp Wilson. And I'm Daniel Wilson Grothy. And I love this man. And he's now with Jesus. And, and, and I remember going out there and, you know, uh, there's certain grandparents' houses that you go to and they have a refrigerator in their kitchen and then they have a refrigerator in the garage. Have you ever been, you ever seen a refrigerator in the garage? You got extra ice cream and extra popsicles and extra pop and at grandma's house, you get ice cream at lunch and ice cream at dinner and ice cream at breakfast if you ask for it and your parents can't say no. And this is my situation. And I was out in the garage fridge looking for a treat when all of a sudden my life changed. There was, my grandpa, I think he thought he was hiding it. He put it down low, but he didn't realize that was eye level for me. <laughs> and behind the watermelon was a Bud Light. <laughs> and my God have mercy. I, it threw me into an existential crisis. I thought, I, how can I be named after a man who would ever drink a Bud Light? I thought he was saved and I thought he was going to heaven and why my grandpa's going to hell. And I went to bed that night. I promise you, you think I'm joking. I was interceding for his salvation. God have mercy, save grandpa, dad. And maybe it's grandma Wheezy's beer. Lord, would you save grandma Wheezy and restore her out of the kingdom of darkness and into your marvelous life? I thought I came from good stock. <laughs> so save them. I was so concerned with protecting the, the inside that I was missing out on the goodness out. Like, it's okay. Grandpa's a farmer. He worked a hard day. He's a mailman. He worked 44 years as a postman. Give the man a beer. Like, <laughs> good gracious. He is okay. But when you're young and you're so concerned about protecting the center, you miss out on the goodness out there that God is developing, God is calling out. And, 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 and I know about the furrowed eyebrow and I know about being so concerned about everybody else while your heart toxifies. Oh God, would you please say, and God's going, I'd, I'd like to save you first. <laughs> Jesus, have mercy on your heart. I was living out that story so consternated and concerned and freaked out about protecting the center that I had missed salvation all around me. And Paul said, I lived that story and all of us have lived that story and all of us have these little micro false gospels, the Jesus plus gospels. But I wanna tell you that the good news of Jesus is that it's Jesus period. Jesus Christ, the only son of God, eternally begotten of the father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, that he's of one being with the father. Through him, all things were made. This is what we say when we say the Nicene Creed. And for us and for our salvation, he came down out of heaven and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and he was made man. And for our sake, he suffered under Pontius Pilate and he died and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. But on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and he 
ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the father and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. And this Jesus is not so freaked out about keeping people. He's not protecting the sinner. He's the one that goes out and he finds the adulteress in the dust. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. And he restores her to life and he finds the demoniac on the other side of the sea of Galilee. He goes all to the wrong places and he restores him. And the man is brought back to his right mind and he feeds the hungry and he clothes the naked and he visits the prisoner. And Jesus blesses those who curse him and he prays for those who despitefully use him. And Jesus is the one who stretches out his arms. He's not protecting the center. He stretches out his arms and he opens up his heart and his body is crushed for us. This is the good news and it is the Jesus period, not Jesus plus, Jesus period. Can you say amen today? And so friends, today is a call to relax. Today is a call to prefer someone else. Believers are not those who build their own lives around their own preferences. Believers are those who hit the streets and go, oh, what? I, Paul says, I become all things to all people so that I might win some. And so we go into neighborhoods that aren't like ours. And we buy apartment complexes and we do stuff, we take care of, and we send money over to Pakistan and Afghanistan and down to Central America to help the poor. And we build orphanages and we drill wells and we do, why? Because believers are not insular. Believers are not circling up the wagons. Believers are those who look at Jesus, who look at the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they throw open their arms to the world. Today is a call to, to give away our lesser stories our little Jesus plus preferences and go, I'll look at Jesus, stretch out his arms and I'll go, to, I'll go to the ends of the earth to lay down my life for someone else. Today is a call to go with Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus, to believe that Jesus is enough, that he is the way, the truth and the life and to believe that he's sending us out to go bring in the, those who are lost, those who are in the distant, uh, the distant far country, those who need the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me today, church? The worship team is coming and we're gonna sing a song here before we receive communion. And the song is Be Exalted. Be Exalted, Jesus. And so what I want us to do in this moment is to lift our eyes and to lift our hands and to open our hearts. And what I want you to imagine doing is dropping all of the little gospels that used to be your preference. Dropping all the, the extras and coming back to the simplicity, Jesus be exalted. So Lord, here we are. We worship you. We don't worship our preferences. We don't worship the ways that we have experienced you. We worship you. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see you afresh today, that you would give us ears to hear your call and that you would soften our hearts 
to believe the simplicity of Jesus as the good news. Let's worship the Lord together.
communion elements, you can take those and be ready to receive. I think this is the right thing to do at the end of this message, why? Because there's a lot of things Jesus could have given his disciples at that last supper. He could have given them a bag full of props. Okay, you gotta have this and you gotta have that and you gotta, here's your weapon and here's your flag and here's your, he didn't even give them the book. The Bible would come later. What did Jesus give them at the last supper? He gave them broken bread. He gave them the cup. He said, this is my body. Let me bear it, bring it down to the bare essentials. Let me simplify this thing for you. What you're going to need is you're going to need me. <laughs> I'll feed you and I'll bring you be your drink that leads to joy and refreshment and forgiveness of sins. And, and it was a very simple meal and a very quiet gathering that night. And I think, it's, I think it's instructive for us that all of our Jesus plus things go away around the table of the Lord. And so Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer there in your hands? And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you and as often as you come to this moment at the end of services or whether you're gathered together with a small group as often as you come to this moment remember remember it's me do this for the remembrance of me you may receive the bread today and the good news just keeps getting better because on the same night he took the cup of wine he said this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. I am so glad Jesus doesn't count all of my former false gospels against me. <laughs> the psalmist said, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Like we would all be lost. We would all be in trouble, but he washes them away. He forgives us. He makes us new. He, he, he brings us to a place of restored simplicity and he cleans us up. So Lord Jesus, today, we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for renewing us. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for making us fresh. Thank you for making us vibrant again, renewing us by the life of your spirit. This is the cup, the new covenant given in his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. You may receive the cup today. Come on, church, let's sing.
you open up your hands today as I pray the benediction? These prayers have been prayed for thousands of years. And today I send you out by saying, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. Bless you, body and soul and mind and spirit, all your relationships, your business. May the Lord.